God our Father, we pray that as we approach this uh, Christmas message, that we would know your power, your Spirit's inspiration, and clarity. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So, John chapter 1 is our text this morning, and um, we're going to be, hang on, you're not paying attention to me. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh no, what a rotten thing to do. Excuse me, who do you think you are? I'm the Grinch. I hate Christmas. You're the Grinch, I know you're the Grinch, but didn't you realise, uh, didn't you realise that you've changed? No. <laughs> you, you have changed. I'm just you, like my, my great uncle, Ebenezer Scrooge. Your great uncle, you're related to Ebenezer Scrooge, that must be on your human side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay, you're related to Ebenezer Scrooge. Okay, what, so, so what do you think about, you, uh, you, what do you say about Christmas then? I hate it. You hate it, you hate it. Did you learn anything from Ebenezer Scrooge? Just, they always said bar humbug. Bar humbug, that's all right, that's all he taught you, that's really sad. That's really sad. You, look, you didn't realise, did you, that he's a, cha- that, that your great uncle Ebenezer was changed. Look, there's a, there's a book about it here. Look, you can read all about it. Look, A Christmas Carol. There it is. That's, that's, that's um, your great uncle Ebenezer's story. And there's actually a book about you as well. You've changed as well. It's sad, you see. You were so, you, you were so unhappy. But now you've changed. Look, I think you need to go and sit down. And, um, and uh, then maybe in a little while, um, you'll, you'll come to understand that you actually changed and you're quite different from what you are. I'm sorry about that interruption, everybody. Um, poor chap. Um, yeah, so we're going to be... Uh, right, it's interesting, isn't it? We do love those Christmas transformation stories, just by the by. You know, the Grinch and um, the Christmas Carol. There were lots of them about how, you know, sort of grumpy people became outgoing and loving through Christmas, the Christmas transformation. And... Um, well, I know, why don't we talk about the big Christmas transformation? In fact, we're going to talk about a great double transformation that took place at the first Christmas. A double transformation. Two ways in which a great transformation occurred. Now, I think, first of all, I'm going to talk about the transformation that happened in John chapter 1, because this is our text this morning. John chapter 1. And we're going to be talking about the transformation that took place for God at Christmas. God was transformed. God became what beforehand he was not. Yeah, you. What do you remember? You did find the joy of Christmas. So you've remembered. I have. I have. Oh, that's so nice. That's yeah. so good. Well, would you like to give those chocolates you know back, what? please? I will, I will. Well, do you want the children to have the chocolates? I think I do. Do you want me to have the chocolates? Mm, I think the children. The children. All right. I'm going to have... Thank you very, very much indeed. Okay. You can go and um, you, you can go now. Thank you very much. And um, very much appreciate it. All your help. We're going to have these... Um... No. You're going to... Kevin... Kevin... Okay. No, I'm going to look. I'm going to put them, I'll put them here. How about that? So, okay, John chapter 1. So the transformation, so the, that's, that's, the, that's our theme this morning, transformations. God became at Christmas what beforehand he was not. So, look, 
have a look at, um, this is really taking from John 1, verse 14. Look at this, John 1, 14. Um, the Word became flesh. God became what beforehand he was not. The Word became flesh. Um, the Word, it's a title for God, for Son. If you look at the beginning, look what's said about the Word. If you've got John 1, chapter open, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. You see, the Word was a person. The Word was with God and was God. He's a divine person who was there with the Father before the world began. And this Word became flesh. He wasn't flesh before, but he became flesh at the first Christmas. And so, that's the first transformation. God became what beforehand he was not. Now, it's not that the Son of God in himself changed. He remained what he always was, just as eternal, just as glorious, just as great. And yet now he lies in a manger. Right, I don't know if any of the children want to come and help me pack my case. You see, this transformation is utterly miraculous. It's a miraculous transformation. Um, so do you reckon you can get all this stuff? Look, I'm going on holiday. I've got some stuff there in my bag, and because I'm flying on a cheap airline, um, this is all I've got. So it's got to fit in there. Can you do it? Maybe. Who knows? Well, why, why not? I need, my, I need all my big, thick jumpers, and I want that book. This is, my, this, is my light, this, is my, this is my reading for the beach. Matthew Henry's complete commentary on the whole Bible. Um, there we are. Can you get it in? You're going to put it in there. <laughs> you be careful, that's one of my favourite jumpers. No, we have, to, we have to put it in, it doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> what do you mean it doesn't matter how, how it goes in? Yeah. Do you seriously reckon you're going to get, well, what about you've forgotten that? I need a sleeping bag, so I'm going on a, I'm going on a really budget holiday. You need two. Why do you ever need two? I do need two because um, I just do. <laughs> For the sake of this illustration, I definitely do. Right. Do you actually think, do you think it is actually possible to get all this stuff yes. in this suitcase? Do you know what? I reckon maybe if you vacuum packed it, maybe. But honestly, even then, you'd be struggling. What about if you try, okay, you can stop now because I can tell you, you won't be able to do it. <laughs> you definitely won't be able to do it. You, I tell you, go and sit down over there because I'm going to get you up in just a moment again. So you can, you can welcome to try again afterwards so long as you treat my jumpers with the respect more respect than the moths do. Um, just imagine trying to get the entire contents of your house in that suitcase. Well, there's no way you could do it, even if you vacuum-packed it all. Well, I'm talking about a miraculous transformation. This is the Word of God, the eternal Word, or Son of God. The one who made the, the, the earth, the stars, and everything, and a, mirac a miraculous transformation has taken place where God in all his fullness now is found in this baby. And it's absolutely extraordinary. One of my favorite sayings is by a great, one of the great teachers of the church, possibly the greatest of all, St. Augustine, 1,500 years ago, who said, the baby in the manger fills the universe. The point being that the eternal word of God, the Son, is there 
in this baby in the manger. It's absolute, mind-blowing, most utter miracle. If it's true, it is utterly, utterly miraculous. But it's not only miraculous, this transformation, when God became what beforehand he was not. It was also very costly. You, look, so go into the manger. I need two of you to go into the manger and go and find... Oh, Anna, Anna, you can come and do something later on. Go on, that's it. Timmy, you come, up, you come up with Mark. Don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll get you involved in a minute. Right, there's a couple of presents in there. Can you open them up, please? It's very costly. If you're the eternal God, to become a human being, boy, that's going to cost you. What's it going to cost? Mark, let's have a look at your present first. Oh, a packet of ibuprofen. Um, but that's the reality, isn't it? Is that you become a human being and you suddenly become subject to pain. Of all sorts. I was going to put in there a tin of Bongella, because I reckon teeth just about sums up about the worst of it there is. doesn't matter what period of your life you're in, your teeth are going to give you problems. So, the ibuprofen, what have you got there, Timmy? You've got nails, big nails. That, of course, that's part of the cost. That is why, at the heart of it, the eternal God becomes man. The word becomes flesh is because he is going to become subject to death. Death, even on a cross. We'll come to, in a moment, why he might do that. But, isn't that extraordinary? When God became what beforehand he was not. That is, the word became flesh. The eternal God, miraculously, was packed into this baby, Jesus. And the man, of course, he became. The eternal God was there. And the cost that that transformation meant, entailed, was absolutely incalculable. So God became what beforehand he was not. Good. So, Christmas transformations. We've got the Grinch. We've got Ebenezer Scrooge, both transformed. <laughs> and then we've got the Word became flesh. God becoming what beforehand he was not. Why, though? Why did God become beforehand what he was not? To answer that question, we need John chapter 1 and verse 12. Because this passage speaks of two transformations. One, the word became flesh. The second, in answer to the question, why did he do so, is verse 12. Why did the word become flesh? It says, yet to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. So why did, the, why did God become what beforehand he was not? He did it so that we can become what otherwise we are not. That is, children of God. You see, he became what beforehand he was not, so that we can become what otherwise we are not. Children of God. Now you might say, well hang on a minute, aren't we all children of God? And yes, it is a sense in which we are. He made us all. His love reaches out to us all, yet um, we're not children of God in this privileged sense until the Son of God gives us, well it says there, doesn't it, gives us the right, the authority to become the children of God. 
He became what beforehand he was not, in order that we might become what otherwise we are not, the children of God. So, right. Now, the thing is, when that happened, it didn't actually uh, go very smoothly. You get that sense, John chapter 1, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Hmm. So that doesn't bode well for when the light does come. And we read there, it says he came to that, to, into the world he made, but we didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, that is to the ancient people of Israel, to whom God had made all the promises, and yet by and large, rejected. You see, the darkness didn't like the brightness of the light. And so Jesus eventually rejected and crucified, which was all part of the plan, as we've seen with those nails. It was all part of the plan to make us children, sons and daughters of God in the most extraordinarily privileged and intimate and real sense, adopted as the children of God. You see, you would think, wouldn't you, that when Jesus came into the world, when God came into this world and found that we didn't welcome him, you would think perhaps he might give us a good kicking. Judge us. Say, well, if you don't welcome me, or who made you, then blow the lot of you. You might think that. You might assume that, and that wouldn't be an unreasonable expectation, logically speaking. But that's not what happens. That's not what happens at all. Now, who didn't come up just a moment ago. Anna, you didn't come up, did you? Or, or Jonathan, you didn't come up. So you can come up, and uh, because I just want to show you this. This is an illustration I particularly enjoy. Because, you see, he didn't come, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, as John says later in chapter 3, but to save the world through him. Or as he puts it in John chapter 1 and verse um, uh, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Not full of judgment and anger, but full of grace and truth. And friends, what is full overflows, doesn't it, Jonathan? <laughs> Did that overflow? Anna, would you like, to, would you like a bit of overflowing? Oh, come on. Well, I thought you wanted to volunteer. Shall I do it to myself? No. <laughs> that is not what's going to happen, Anna. Oh, Kevin. Oh! There we are. But that's it. So what is full overflows. And God comes in Jesus Christ full of grace and truth overflowing, and the outcome of that, I just feel like getting this jug, Anna, and basically just slinging the whole lot over you, but I'm not going to do that. Um, so, Anna, I just want to say, I, I, I like you very, very, very much indeed, but I just don't trust you to pour water over my head on Christmas Day, that's all. Really? Yeah. <laughs> really. <laughs> um, so, um, you're going to sit down again. I'm going to, don't worry, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to imprint something on you in a moment. Literally. Um, so, God becomes what beforehand he was not 
so that we can become what otherwise we are not. That is, the children of God. Isn't it interesting that it says there that Jesus, the, John's actual word is, he says, he says um, the, 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 yet to those who believe in so there was much rejection, and there still is, and, the, and the, probably there always will be, but he says to those who received him, that is, to those who believed in his name, who accepted him, who opened up to him and said, Jesus, yes, I want this gift, I want this Jesus, I, want, I need you to make me a child of God, he gives the right the authority. As it were, he stamps us with his authority. And he can do that, after all, because of who he is. He is, remember, the Son. And as the Son, he is able to bestow on others the same identity as sons and daughters of God. So he can do it because of who he is. He can do it because of what he's done. And that's where we come again to the nails. This was what it was about. At heart about the death of Jesus is to is to to gain the right um, inalienably, if that's a word, an, inali an inalienable right. I've got the right number of syllables in there. I don't know, but a right that cannot be taken away and that is absolutely fixed for everybody who trusts in Him because of His death on the cross, whereby He made it possible. So. That means he can, he, ha, he can authorize us who, do, who are not the children of God by nature, and quite the opposite in fact, we, 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 we are those who've turned away from him, who don't instinctively receive him or even want to receive him, but we are given the right to become children of God. I said I would imprint you, who wants to be imprinted? Come here then. Hold out your hand. Let's have it, have it the other way. There we are. What does that say? Child of God. Child of God. Jesus has the authority. So this is my this stamp here is the is is the symbol of the authority of Jesus to say, "This is who you are." In the most privileged and wonderful. Do you want it? Who else wants it on their hand? Come on then. If your parents give me permission, I'll stamp it on your forehead later. Oh, you got two. Oh, well done. There we are. I'll have one as well. Do you want one, Kevin? Yeah, there we are. I'll put it on Kevin's forehead. Okay. I don't know how it'll go on your forehead, but we'll see. It might be, your head might be a bit too round. Quite big. Oh, it's backwards. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that, Kevin. I did my best. Don't worry. It does wash off. I did test it. it washes, the, the ink washes off. If anybody wants a child of God stamp... If anyone wants a child of God stamp afterwards, you can be stamped on Christmas Day if you'd like to. So Jesus comes to make, and to be a child of God, it means child of God. It doesn't just mean to be God's created by God. It means to be adopted into the, into the intimacy and the assurance of his family. To be given a dignity of the children of God. That is to know God's Holy Spirit, uh, to receive God's Spirit because that's, who all the family share in God's Holy Spirit, um, to share the privileges of knowing that God receives you, that he loves you, that he's with you, that he will provide for you, and that you are eternally and completely secure. Those are the privileges of the children of God, among many others. So, a double transformation then, and Christmas, which encapsulates what Christmas is about. On the one hand, the statement of what God has done. On the other hand, the statement of what we can 
do in response. And so, what has God done? Well, Christmas, God became what beforehand he was not. That is, the word became flesh. In order that we may become what otherwise we are not. He gave the right to become children of God. So, let's open our hearts to receive it again. Um, many of you have received this years ago. You know these things. Um, perhaps you don't yet. In a sense, it doesn't matter. The point is, go on, open up to these things in a new, deeper way than before, saying, yes, I do trust in you, this costly miracle. I do believe and I do trust in you, Jesus. Make me a child of God too. Or make me more aware of the privileges that I possess as a child of God. Stamp that, not just on my skin, not even on my forehead, but on my very heart that I am a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He became what beforehand he was not so that we can become what otherwise we are not. Let's pray. We give you praise, almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this Christmas time, for the miracle of the Word becoming flesh. Give us grace and power to believe it, and through Jesus Christ, give to us now the authority, the right to be children of God and to enjoy more fully the privileges of that status. Give us peace in our hearts, deep humility, awe, and utter joy. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.